Great. Hello, everyone. Uh, today we have a special podcast for the History and Philosophy uh, Department podcast channel. We're talking to Ranger uh, Adrian Student or Adrian Stewart of the National Park Service. We're here at the 96 National um, Historic Site, uh, and uh, Ranger Stewart is going to be telling us a little bit about herself and the kind of job she does. So. Uh, Good morning, Ranger Stewart. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Is that the correct title? Is that what I should call you? Or That works. That works. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Since I studied Korea, it's often you call someone like you would call someone like Lawyer Kim uh, or Nurse Park or yeah. something like that. So you use these. I'm used to titles. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, first of all, actually, could you tell us a little bit about, about the historic site? What is 96 National Historic okay. Site? So 96 National Historic Site um, is a site that has been set aside by the federal government to preserve um, the history at the site, which includes, but is not limited to, um, the site of the Gaudi's trading post, um, which ended up being a site of two Cherokee attacks in the 1760s, um, the site of two Revolutionary War battles, um, both the first battle in the South and the largest land, or the longest land siege, I should say, in the um, revolution, which also includes the Star Fort, um, Kajusko's Mine, um, which is pretty cool, and then the location of the original town, um, and it technically even goes up into the settlement of Cambridge, which came in after the revolution. So long periods of time. Right, right, yeah, there's a lot going on yeah. here. I'm always fascinated that uh, I just read Bass's book, which is like 400 oh, yeah. pages of, of this kind of history, and it's like, wow, there's still a lot more to tell. Yeah. So having told us about the site, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am originally from South Carolina. I um, grew up in Clover, South Carolina, which is just kind of southwest of Charlotte, um, and went to the College of Charleston after high school. Kind of started getting interested in park service-related jobs. Um, in high school, I worked with YCC, which is the Youth Conservation Corps, um, up at Kings Mountain, um, since I grew up right outside of there. Um, and then when I was a senior in college, I had to do an internship for my degree, which was historic preservation with a minor in geology and archaeology. Um, so I had to do an internship. I ended up doing my internship with Charlestown Landing. Um, state historic site and then after college you know it was like I really think I do want to do this park thing but still wasn't quite sure um, so got another internship through the SCA which is the Student Conservation Association um, and did that for a year at Fort Sumter in Fort Moultrie and said yeah I think I want to do this started applying for National Park Service jobs. Um, didn't get anything right off the bat, so you know, worked in Charleston area, Middleton Plantation um, for a couple years. Moved back home. Finally, eventually got a job out in Arizona. So moved out there for a summer, went back the next summer, and then got this job here. And we've been here now for almost five years, I think. Yeah. Oh, Five excellent. years. So. <laughs> well, and so what were you doing? You mentioned a plantation that you were working yes. at. What, what were you doing there? Um, Middleton Plantation. I was driving carriages oh, and wow. working in the stable yards. Oh, that's cool. That's really <laughs> cool. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And so how do you, so one thing we encourage our students to do is to think about internship opportunities. Yeah. How, how did those assist you with trying to find work? Um, they, well, they look really good on your resume, especially if you're looking for a national park job. Um, that is always helpful. Um, but they also, you know, helped kind of give me an, an idea of what I wanted to right. do and what I was looking for and what I maybe wasn't interested in. Right. Um, and there were a couple of, you know, oh, I think maybe I want to go get a degree in this or I want to go get a degree in this. Changed my mind a couple of times. Right. So right. those, I think, are helpful in focusing you. Oh, that makes sense. And it sounds like, too, sometimes you have to wait for the job to open. Yes. And you need to, your dream job, so you have to do something while you're yeah. waiting. Yeah, which sometimes might be waitressing or, you know, waitressing and doing an internship or, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes I got lucky and the internships were, they weren't really paid, but you got a stipend. Okay. Um, other, like the SCA, other internships, like the one at the state park, that was not paid at all. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I mean, I was in class, so it didn't come towards class, but still. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I, that that sounds like that's pretty much kind of par for the course, yeah. right? You have to put in, put that right. in if you want to get the, the yeah. position. So yeah. I'm always telling students, you know, you got you want to do well in the classroom, but a lot of it's what you do outside. Right. Yeah. A lot of stuff you learn afterwards. <laughs> right. Excellent. Excellent. So, could you tell us then a little bit about? Um, could you go into a little bit more detail about how you specifically got this position? Okay, so um, the National Park Service and really anything pretty much federal in the federal right. government, all the jobs are posted on one singular website, which is USA.gov. I'm sorry, psh, left a word out. USAjobs.gov. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and you have to go on and apply and apply and it is can be a very lengthy process um when i was first applying they had it they weren't doing what they're doing now right um now a lot of times they'll set and they did, were doing this where the job posting would be open for maybe a week two weeks however long the hiring person thought it needed to be open um and it used to be just if you applied within that period, you know, you were put in the listing. Right. Um, now they are going through, and a lot of them are saying the first 100 people, the first 50 people, wow. and so after that it closes. So you have to really so be watching like, right, every day, right. pay twice a day. And the reason they did that was there would be certain jobs where four or 500 applicants. Sure. and. It was taking, I mean, a lot of it's done by the computer, but it was still right. taking way longer sure. than it should have to get through the process. Um, so they've been tweaking it, um, but now they you apply, hopefully you get it in in that period. Right. Um, if you're just starting off, it's really good to apply for everything you see. Yeah. <laughs> and be willing to go somewhere. Right. Other than, you know, maybe your preferred spot. you got to get your foot in the door before you can really say, no, nah, I think I'll just, you know, limit where I apply to a certain region or a certain part. Right. Getting your foot in the door is the first step. And so applying, 
to everything and sitting and waiting. There's a lot of sitting and waiting. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can ask Sydney about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was lucky in that it took me my first job. Um, I think I'd been applying for probably four to five years. Okay. On and off. I will say I was not very, always very good about constantly doing it. Uh, right. Yeah, like things pop up. Sure. It's, it's hard <laughs> um, to keep checking your website right. multiple times a day. Right, and you, <laughs> yeah. you can, they do have it now where you can um, save a search and it'll email you okay. when positions come up that fit your criteria. Oh, excellent. Which is nice now. Um, but it took me five years. I've known people that it's taken 10 years. Right. Um, so I said I got my job, my start in Arizona, and it was this teeny tiny park right. that probably a lot of people were like, no, I don't want to go there. I don't know anything about that. Um, most people are like, no, I want to go to... Yellowstone. Okay, and, right, right. You know, yeah, I want to go to the exactly. big parks. And so being willing to go for the less well-known parks right. will really help. And it's cool to see a different part of the country. Right, right. <laughs> it's amazing how much that sounds like getting a job as a professor. Yeah. Because it's just like, you know, you, you apply for jobs that have 100 right. applicants. Yeah. You, you don't get to decide where you want to go. Uh-huh. My first job I got because... There were very few applicants because you, it's, it's a long story why this was, but you only got five-sevenths of yeah. the already low salary mm-hmm. because you only taught five out of seven oh, classes. So huh. the, um, you know, it was basically, it was like, mom, dad, can you help me out here? Because right. this will, if yeah. I can do this, this will get my foot in the door. And yeah. It, and it did. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, you know, so it sounds like a very similar kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was a good bit of going back, hey, can I crash here? Right. <laughs> So we've kind of talked about the hard work, but now you you, you did it. You yeah. succeeded. You got your dream. Got so my... can you tell us a little bit about what, what is your job here like? What do you do? So here, um, I do a, kind of a little bit of everything <laughs> um, at this park. And that is one of the advantages, at least I think, of a smaller park. Right. Um, the larger parks, a lot of times they've got so many people and certain areas mm-hmm. of expertise. And you do what you do. Smaller parks... Sometimes you have to help each other out. So right. you get to kind of get your hands in a little bit more of everything. Um, but mainly what I do here is make sure the visitor center is operating. Um, you know, plan special events like we have coming up right. um, next or this weekend and then next month and throughout the rest of the summer. Um, and um, I'm also the volunteer coordinator. Right. So I work with all the volunteers. I'm the historic weapons safety officer, so I make sure everybody's you know not blowing themselves up right, right, with right. weapons You've and been being successful safe so far. So far let's keep it that way. Um, I when I have the chance, when we have school groups and stuff like that, give tours, um, give talks. Sometimes I go out into the community if somebody's asking for a special talk, um, say like the SAR is having something and they want a ranger to come talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. the site or one of the battles that happened here, something like that. Um, Try and, with the help of other people, try and keep the Facebook page going. Um, So kind of a little bit of everything that's visitor services oriented. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And can you tell us, like, so you mentioned an event coming up this weekend Mm -hmm. that you you kind of are helping to to organize. So can you tell us what's going on at that event? So this is a women's war 
event. Um, instead of, you know, usually with war, everybody focuses on what's happening on the battlefield, right. the men. Um, you might have women mentioned if, you know, they decide to disguise themselves or pull them right. on the picture or something like right, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but instead, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to start telling more of the stories that happened right. during the wars and at the site. And one way of doing that is trying to look at what happened to the women that either got, you know, left at home with the right. kids. Um, how did they have to change roles? Very much a kind of a Rosie the Riveter right, thing, right. but in the revolution. Um, so I like to call it Rosie the Revolutionary. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, And also, what about those women that maybe didn't stay at home, but were camp followers? Right. Because um, I don't remember the exact quote, but I do remember there was something that I think it was George Washington said about the women and the camp followers. <laughs> I don't remember the quotes now. I'm horrible at quotes. All right. so. <laughs> I write everything down. So. Yeah. <laughs> And what's going on, you mentioned also in April, mm -hmm. right? What's the big event in April? So the big event in April is 96 Crossroads. Um, right. This event's been going on for decades. Um, and it's kind of our big annual event, even though it's not during any of our um, anniversaries. Um, but this is the event where many living historians come out and in camp, um, have weapons demonstrations, have... Lifeways demonstrations, so like cooking, sewing, basket making, dyeing, things like that. Any, I mean, think we're gonna have an artist, got some surgeons, you know, anything they're interested in. Right, right, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, go for it. Um, special tours. Um, we are also going to have. Um, don't know which person yet, but we will have um, a one of the archaeologists from the um, South. Carolina Archaeological, I don't remember if that's right, USC, the archaeology school. Okay, <laughs> um, right, right, yeah. I don't remember now sure. what they're officially called, but one of them will come here um, and hopefully talk about some of the field schools they've done in the past couple years right. and what they found. Um, so I have a presentation on that. Um, and, you know, as we're growing or, or approaching, I should say, the 250th anniversary of the right. Revolutionary War, we're trying to start that planning and trying to start um, working with our other sites. Um, right. We are already, of course, part of a group of sites um, in the park, National Park Service, but we also have partners in the state park, right? Um, especially, like, Morris, or not Morse Creek, that's a national park, um, but Musgrove Mill, you know, is a state site, but right. it's revolutionary, and they are actually closer to us than Calpins and Kings Mountain, so trying to start working with them, so we've asked one of their rangers to come and kind of, you know, talk about what's their role in the revolution right. and in the southern campaign. Oh, excellent. Here. So, it's exciting. We'll have some different things going on oh, that's really than, cool. than we've had in the past. So, and, and what do you have to do to get that, get ready for that? Like what, I mean, I've been to those events. They're yeah. really cool. Yeah. What's going on behind the scenes? So I usually, I try my best to get my invitations out to volunteers and the living historians. Um, I try to get them out 
right after the holidays. Right. If not, right before the holidays, but I think right after works best usually. Um, and wait sometimes patiently, sometimes not so patiently, um, for them to reply back. Um, and, you know, we have to ask how many people are coming, are you coming, um, what are you right. bringing with you, because you got to make sure you've got room for everybody's right, right. tents and marquees and flies, and you've got enough straw if they're camping out, you've got enough firewood. Um, so that's one of the first things. Then you start looking, okay, how many are going to have rifles, muskets, right. um, how many are going to be on a cannon crew, swivel gun. So when you get closer, you can start tallying those up, figure out how many um, demonstrations you're going to have, how many shots are going to be fired per demonstration. Okay, do the math. Right, right. <laughs> how, many, how many cartridges do you need? Right, <laughs> so, and you prepare all that, right? Yeah, yeah, we prepare all that. So have to make sure that we get it all prepared. Um, I try to have more than I need or that I think I need, yeah. <laughs> at least for the muskets and rifles. Right. Um, cannons and swivel guns are a little easier to figure out. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but still got to make those beforehand, um, but you don't want to make them too soon, so you got to figure out the right time. Um, you make your schedule, figure out the public schedule, get it out to, you know, get it approved, get it out to the public, get it right. printed so that when they come they can see what's going on. Um, figure out the flyer, which hopefully will get printed this week, if not next week, right. and start putting up around town. Um, I try to send the flyers out also across the state so that Excellent. other right. people, especially like the welcome centers and stuff, right? Um, so the other people outside of the Greenwood area will know. Um, and cleaning, there's always cleaning, especially like the week before, I got to clean the cabin, clean the waysides, because the birds love the waysides. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, make sure, like, this this weekend's going to be rather fun being so wet. Right, so yeah, we got to yeah, figure no, out true. how we're going to park people. Um, oh, yes. Since yeah. we don't want people getting stuck in the mud. Right, uh, right. Yeah, so a lot of trying to coordinate with people, uh, making sure you've got... Um, like with the big event, at least making sure that we've got some law enforcement, right, um, yeah. especially on Saturday, which tends to be the busiest day. Yeah. So that takes coordination with the other parks mm -hmm. because most of our law enforcement is at one of the other parks. Okay. Um, we do work with the county, but right. as far as you know, law enforcement within the NPS goes. Right. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. There's more that I'm forgetting. <laughs> oh, right. Well, no, that gives a good idea. This is one reason why we call it public history. Yes. Right? Because you're having to interact so much yes. with the public. Yes. And what is your hope when you have an event or when people visit? You know, what do you see your mission mm -hmm. as a ranger, as the park, to do? My, my hope is that people will come and they will maybe learn something they didn't know before. Um, right. A lot of people come because there's a big boom. Yeah, happening. no, that's that's right. Yeah, it's a great way to pull people in. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm hoping that they'll, you know, kind of, hey, we're here. What's what's this? Either step aside to one of the encampments and see. Oh, well, I didn't know that. That's how they did this. Or, oh, they use this too, and see that, you know, people 
haven't changed that much, honestly. Right, yeah, yeah, Technologies the change, but people are all the same. Um, or jump on a tour and find out more about why the big boom was going on. Right. Um, you know, just there's so many opportunities to learn something new. I mean, I've been here five years, and I feel like every event I still learn something. Oh, excellent. excellent. So yeah, I, I hope people learn. Right. And, you know, the Park Service, um, we're here to preserve, of course, but we're also here to educate. Right. So trying to kind of have a dual mission of preserve, but teach. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think there's something very, well, I'm not sure, about the materiality when you can actually smell the gunpowder mm-hmm. and see the kind of clothing and right. there's all these different smells yeah. and colors and things. And I think that really makes history, I mean, it's, it's kind of trite, but come alive, yeah. as, they, as they say. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned the big boom. And one thing I, I like to point out, so uh, oftentimes in, we talk about a difference between what they call public history mm-hmm. and academic history. Yes. And so I'm what's called an academic historian, because what do I do? I sit in office and I write papers. Mm-hmm. And you could theoretically study military history and never, ever fire a gun. Yes. Right. And, and you know, I, I, I would argue you should actually at some point fire a gun if you're studying that kind of military history. Otherwise, it's, it's definitely going to help you understand. Um, but, but the idea is that it is something that's, that's a little bit different. That's one reason I want students to think about public history yes. as a career, because I like to write papers. Yes. You know, I enjoy it. But some people love history, but don't like to write papers. Right. right. And so, and you can still be there. You can still be an yeah. educator. You're still keeping history alive. And I think one aspect that you mentioned several times, you mentioned the boom, and you mentioned that you're safety weapons officer. So could you tell us a little bit more about, about all that? Because that's really hands-on. Yeah, okay. So yeah, hands-on that is history. definitely hands-on history. Um, so depending on the park that you go to, the site that you go to, um, tends to be a lot of your military history sites. Right. Um, but there are other ones that maybe are like expansion, Western expansion, um, have historic weapons programs um, and it's kind of a niche within the park service right. um, even though there's a good many of them it's still probably on the smaller side and tends to there's some out west but it does in my experience to the people that I've talked to it tends to be a lot of course most of the people I talk to her revolutionary war of 1812 um, right, right. and earlier um, since it gets divided by period um, mm-hmm. due to the technological advances in weapons right. um, so you have to go to a training it's a two-week training to become a historic weapons safety officer right. every four years um, so I am halfway through my four years so in two years um, assuming I'm still here um, <laughs> Then I'll be sent again, and so we drill, 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 learn the weapons. Um, There's your basic weapons, which are the ones um, that almost any site is going to have, which are, of course, like your muskets. Right, yeah. At least in our time period, we're 18th century, so we focus on the 18th century weapons, the muskets, um, the brown vessels, the Charlevilles, things like that. there's also, we do artillery, um, so we have to do the artillery training. Those are the two weapons everybody gets certified right. on. You can then get certified on special weapons, um, so a flint, flintlock rifle 
right? is considered a special okay, weapon. Okay, that makes sense, yeah, as opposed to a musket. Right. right yeah. um, now, we can, depending on what's going on that day and what the demonstration is, um, we can treat the flintlock rifle as a musket for demonstration purposes right. um, and have a cartridge pre-made, or we can load from the horn and go through all that, which right. is what they really would have done. Yeah. So it's, it's more of that handling of the rifle right. that is considered a special um, weapon, and then also swivel guns right. are considered special weapons. So I have all four of those certifications, can teach people how to use them. Right. So we've gone through the training, two weeks, um, drilling, firing, stuff like that, come back to the park, and figure out how does it, how does it fit into the story mm. that the park's right. telling. Being a Revolutionary War site, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and then we start training volunteers. Um, there are a lot of living history groups out there, um, right. and a lot of them, you know, they travel from one park to the other, or state park, or they go all over the place, um, and so. We communicate with them, make sure that, you know, even if they are, maybe haven't officially, like, been trained in a while by somebody, but they have the, they all know the regulations, they know right, right. the drills, um, and they have to prove it right. to us when they come to a demonstration. Okay, um, A lot of them have their own weapons, so we have to, you know, inspect them, we have to make sure that it's not an original weapon yeah, that it's right, a reproduction yeah. um, because safety is always I know this is so cliche but it's so true safety is priority number oh, one right, right. so we don't want anybody blowing anything up um, of course we don't do live, or like live firing meaning we don't have balls right yeah in there it's all just black powder and paper mm -hmm. um, so part of it's just making those um, training people and making sure that nobody sneaks something in they're not supposed to have. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a fun, it is a, one of the f more enjoyable parts, sometimes more of the hassle parts. Right, <laughs> it right, kind of yep, goes yep. both ways of the job. And um, I, I really enjoy it. I know some people that are like, nope, this is not for me. Right. But right. I grew up around guns, so they don't bother me. Right. <laughs> um, and just... It's a really good way, even, I mean, a lot of parks do what they call weapons demonstrations, which we do too, um, and it's fine. It's, this is the weapon, these are the parts, right. this is how it works, because, I mean, they do work a bit differently. I mean, they require a rock hitting steel <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. to make it go off. Um, so it does work a little differently than than weapons of today, um, right. but we're tr I'm trying to kind of not get away from that, but expand right. and get, you know, use those more for telling the story as well. Right. Um, so hopefully in the next year or two, I'll, I've got a program that I've written. I've just got to, I want to walk through it with some people first, right. so yeah. I need to make sure that I've got people to walk through it with me. Right, so right. in April, I might be grabbing some of our living historians at the end of the day and okay. be like, come with me. We need to try this out oh, you know, excellent. without firing just so I can see how it works and make sure that everybody that views it is still going to be safe. 
Yeah. Because um, I'm trying to tell, this one is trying to tell the story of the um, first battle. Okay. In November, the 1775 battle. In right, November, right. Three-day battle. Um, so trying to use the weapons to kind of enhance the story and grab people's attention. Oh, that'd be cool. To, right. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you can read, love reading. I will admit, I have a hard time sometimes. Like, I... I cannot for the life of me read the Robert Bass book straight through. I had to really great for research. It, <laughs> great for research. I I cannot. I've tried and I've tried. I can't read it straight through. Um, and so trying to make that kind of more accessible, I yeah. guess, to the general public. Yeah. <laughs> the shorter books are, you know, they're good quick reads, but there's something about even though it's not really a you it's not I'm not gonna call it a reenactment because right. they're not gonna be facing off, but there's right. something about just seeing some movement. Yeah, exactly. That kind of makes things click. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah. I don't, don't know if there'll be any, um, any room for the silver gun. Um, actually, that. I have that worked in. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yes. So that was kind of my follow-up was that one reason I, I've been asking a lot about the weapons training was that Ranger Stewart t- trained us earlier how to use a yes. silver gun. And that, that was, uh, it's a small cannon, basically. It's a baby and, cannon. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that a, a lot. And I'm yeah. looking forward to, to the April yeah. reenactment, getting to do some. Yeah. So the November, work. my November um, program that I wrote does definitely have the swivel gun. And, and especially since that, um, I mean, they had, of course, muskets during that battle, but swivel right. gun, they didn't have big artillery. They had the little baby artillery. Right, no, that makes <laughs> sense. We can do, so... What advice would you give someone, who, a student who wants to, to kind of follow in your footsteps? Um, well, like I said earlier, definitely be willing to move. Right. Be willing to move across the country, go to Alaska, go to Hawaii, go to middle of nowhere, Arizona, you know, anywhere. And that, right. that you, if you can get a job there, take it. Um, likelihood is it's going to be a seasonal job. Um, so seasonal means any we're up to six months. Right. Um, at ten thirty nine, so ten thirty nine is the number of hours that you are allowed to put into it. Okay. Um, within that time period. So between ten and thirty nine. No, ten thirty nine. Oh. So one thousand. Oh, one thousand thirty nine hours. Okay, I'm sorry. I... <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but everybody just calls it ten thirty nine. Sure, that makes it easier to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so be willing to take those seasonal jobs. Um, don't de- definitely don't get discouraged if it takes. A while, right? To get the job, because most people I've talked to, very few people get it the first try, the second try. Yeah. Like, um, it is getting maybe I don't want to say easier. <laughs> um, I haven't applied for a seasonal job in a while, but I think even the seasonal jobs they're starting to, you know, cap off. Right. After the first fifty or hundred applicants, wow! So is that popular? If you can get your name in, right? That is probably slightly easier than when I was applying, and it was like four or five hundred applicants. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But then you also have to make sure that is if you were searching and you come across, apply right, right then right. and don't wait around. Um, also. The Park Service, the federal government applicate or resume, I should say, is much different than the resumes that you've probably been told how to do. Right. Put everything. Literally everything. Right, right. Especially when you're first starting off. Makes um, sense. 
I'm not starting off and my resume is, I think it's 13 pages. It sounds like a CV. Yeah. I know see a lot of parallels here. Yeah, yeah. So, but everything, um, like I said, mine's right now, I think it's 13 pages. It might be longer than that. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, 8-point font. No, yeah, just... do not, do not, do not, like, cut anything out. Um, obviously, don't lie, but put as much as you can. Right. And when they do have, in the process, you have to answer questions. Um, and usually it's like A, B, C, D. A, now I'm forgetting how. Sometimes I like to change it up and try and throw you for a loop. But one of them will be like, I am an expert in this. I next one would be like, I have experience with okay, little right. supervision, or I've done this, but with supervision. Right. I've got education in this, but haven't actually done it, okay. and then I have yeah. absolutely no idea. Right. Don't lie, but go as high as you can. Right. No, that makes sense. Don't, don't be humble. This is not right. The time don't to be, be humble. humble. Exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. So. Don't be humble, <laughs> but don't lie either. So, don't don't try and rate yourself <laughs> too high, but. Yeah, definitely. Don't be humble. So, just as a kind of final question, so what what is it you that what keeps you here? Why do you why do you like this? Job? I like. Why do I like what? This job. Oh, this job. Okay. <laughs> so I I like this. Like I mentioned, I really like the smaller sites. Right. Because I do like. I get bored. Sure. No. <laughs> I get bored with one thing, so I like being able to put my hands in everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the revolution. Um, my dad was a big Revolutionary War buff, which, you know, I had to eventually be like, thanks, Dad. Yep, <laughs> you know, <yeah>. uh, grudgingly. Because <laughs> um, he made us go everywhere. Like, we'd be on the way to the beach, and he's like, we're going to stop at Francis Marion's grave. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, but now I really am glad that he did that and made us do all of that. Um, and I really do enjoy the Revolution, but I really like this site um, because... It's more than just the revolution. It's more than just, you know, a 45-minute battle. Right, um, yeah. We've got so many options yeah, of yeah, things we can do, on. which is just sometimes overwhelming, but often just fun. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Ranger Stewart, for giving us the, your, your time, especially with you being so busy. And I hope, listeners, that you've enjoyed this.